age of 95, Miriam Moskowitz is feisty and sharp-witted. She plays the violin and volunteers at the local hospital. But her story began as a young secretary, when she was caught up in one of history's darker moments. The year was 1950. I had been waiting in front of my apartment building for Brothman. Brothman, it was the man I was working for, Abe Brothman. We were to go to dinner. When he came, we noticed a car that was following us. It was a sedan. There were two men in the car. So we zigzagged around Manhattan, and they followed us around. We couldn't lose them. The worst part of it was the next morning when I went down to the laundromat with a bunch of laundry. There was a new car, and it followed me, rolled with me to the laundromat, waited for me while I waited for the wash, rolled back as I walked back with the laundry. We didn't know what was happening, but we knew that we didn't like this. Miriam and her boss, Brothman, worked at a chemical manufacturing plant in northern New Jersey. When they rolled into work that morning, three unmarked cars rolled in behind them. Then the three cars swooped down to the building. I ran in inside to tell Brockman that they were coming. Suddenly the place was alive with FBI agents. I said, what are you doing? And they said, you're under arrest, miss. And I said, what for? And they said, conspiracy to obstruct justice. Now, I didn't know what that meant. It meant that Miriam's past was coming back to haunt her. It was 1950, and Miriam was in the unhappy position of having been a member of the Communist Party. I had matured, grown up really, through the depression. I had seen some fearful things that were happening to neighbors and friends. I would see the bread lines. It was impossible to ignore this situation. So I became radicalized. I joined the CP, I think, 1946, the Communist Party. I was pretty quiet as a member, but I was asking questions, and everybody in the party was terribly nervous. And they began to suspect that the questions that I was asking were not innocent and that I must be an FBI plant. So they, they uh, expelled me. She was kicked out of the Communist Party because they thought she was an informer. And now the feds were going to throw her in prison, claiming she's part of a communist spy ring. The truth is the FBI had been to the chemical plant a few months earlier and interrogated Miriam and Brothman and a co-worker named Harry Gold. And they asked Miriam about her past. I lied to them that I was not a member of the Communist Party because the next question would have been, give us the names of other people. I would not have done that. I simply thought, I'll stop it right now by lying and saying, no, I'm not or never was a member of the Communist Party. But Harry Gold, her co-worker, eventually admitted to giving atomic secrets to the Russians. And he said that Miriam and her boss, Brothman, had encouraged him to lie about it after that first visit by the feds. So Miriam and Brothman were picked up for obstructing justice. Then they put me in one car and Brothman in another. Three agents for each of us. 
they drove sort of leisurely, and I wondered, why are they not rushing if we're under arrest? And then their radio began to cackle in police jargon. Pulled up to Foley Square, and I saw how well staged this had been. The place was live with newspapermen, photographers swarming all over. The headlines across the world said, two more spies arrested in the spy ring. There were three more arrests after us. Ethel Rosenberg was arrested a week later. Morton Sobel was arrested. Nine arrests swooping down and the country was hysterical because it was so frightened that this country had bred all these spies and these spies were going to wreck the world and certainly wreck the United States. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. If a person supports communist teachings, she may be a communist. But there are other communists who don't show their real faces, who work more silently. The FBI took my purse and everything in it, delivered me to jail, and all I had were the clothes that I was wearing. I suddenly realized I was going to be in trouble without cigarettes. The women seemed to be making fun of me when I arrived, but actually they turned out to be generous. So I was able to borrow a couple of cigarettes and smoke a puff or two and then hold it until the next time I wanted a puff. They asked me what I was there for and I said conspiracy to obstruct justice and they hooted. They said what's that? I said I don't know and they didn't know even and these were pretty savvy women. One of Miriam's jailmates was Ethel Rosenberg who was famously convicted of espionage along with her husband. Uh, we would share a cup of coffee we got from commissary in the afternoon, and we would talk, and we would sort of fly out the window. We were no longer in jail. I was in jail when uh, Ethel came back, and uh, she had been sentenced to death. She was wiped out, but she didn't think, nobody thought this was going to be a reality. I couldn't fathom such a thing happening. This was the United States of America. We would have a fair trial. This was a theater of the absurd. We were judged guilty even before we set foot in a courtroom because the publicity that the FBI had released were hideous. Miriam says she never encouraged Harry Gold to lie, but it didn't matter. She was guilty by association. And as the trial unfolded, Miriam made the curious decision not to take the stand in her own defense. Why? I will tell it to you, but I, Brothman and I were intimately involved, and neither of us wanted to take the stand because Brothman, you have to understand, was married. And this relationship was not going to be very pretty when it got into the headlines. So we didn't take the stand. They would have portrayed me as a harlot. Instead, she went to prison for two years and carried the burden of traitor for the rest of her life. The cost to us was terrible because we became pariahs forever. 
Even after we were released, my mother thought I should not be going out during the day. I should venture out only in the evening when people wouldn't notice me. And I couldn't hold a job because the FBI would visit their personnel department and tell them that they had on their payroll a person who was a communist and a spy. And it was a terrible time after everything was over. So was it better to be labeled a spy than a harlot? Oh, that's no choice. <laughs> that is no that is no choice. <laughs> I wouldn't make it. Thanks so much to Miriam for sharing your story with us. And that's only part of what really happened. You can find out more about Miriam Moskowitz right at our website, snapjudgment.org. You are listening to Snap Judgment. And to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.